Good morning. Good morning. Warm welcome. This morning we'll begin our service of Holy Eucharist Rite 2 on the first page of your seasonal booklet. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may work perfectly love thee and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. The first lesson is from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious bosom. For thus says the Lord, I will extend prosperity to her like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and be carried on her arm, and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see and your heart shall rejoice. Your bodies shall flourish like the grass, and it shall be known that the hand of the Lord is with his servants, and his indignation is against his enemies. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in reciting Psalm 66. Be joyful in God, all you lands. Sing the glory of his name. Sing the glory of his praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great strength, your enemies are in glory. All the earth bows down before you, sings to you, sings out your name. Come now and see the works of God, how wonderful he is in his doing toward all people. He turned the sea into dry land, so that they went through the water on foot, and there rejoice in him. In his might he rules forever. His eyes keep watch over the nations. Let no rebel rise up against him. Bless our God, you peoples. Make the voice of his praise to be heard, who holds our souls in life, and will not allow our feet to slip. The second reading comes from Galatians. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, 
You who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand? It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. The Lord appointed seventy others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe it off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listens to me, and whoever rejects you, 
rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, this is just an observation I made this morning, but I noticed that, like, on this side, people are pretty well spread out, and on this side, everyone is at the back, which tells me everyone is ready for the brimstone and hellfire that's going to come from the pulpit. <clears throat> Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. We heard these words from Jesus in today's gospel, a gospel reading that is Quite a lot to take in. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is near. It's very interesting that every year we get these kingdom of God readings right around the time which is our national holiday. <clears throat> in fact, it's probably a national holiday of a number of countries that use the lectionary, which may or may not be coincidence. Perhaps the kingdom of God is something that is aspirational for those of us who live here on earth, looking for a place that is the ideal form of a kingdom, of a place that we can call home. I think about the way we celebrate our national holidays. About nine years ago, when I first moved to the area, I moved to Kenosha, and about three or four blocks from Lake Michigan where the fireworks are. And so I took, uh, at the time I had two dogs, I took the two dogs to the park where the fireworks were going off. I figured better for them to be freaking out with me in present instead of, you know, at home, or they might tear something up. So I took them out to the park, and I hadn't been there but maybe two or three minutes, and I see off in the distance, here comes a dog running towards us, my two dogs. It was a fairly large pit bull, running toward the dog. Now at this time, my dog Edison was still a puppy. He was about this big. So he goes after Edison, this little puppy, and starts to gnaw on him a little, you know, starts to bite him. And of course, the lab I had sort of went to the, you know, I, I can do that to my little brother, but you can't do that to my little brother, and went after the pit bull. So there was this big tumble around of dogs. I got Edison out. You know, and he was pretty badly chewed up. I mean, he, he was in pretty rough shape. I took him home to bandage him up. Well, I will tell you, ever since that moment, I didn't even get to see the fireworks that year, <clears throat> but ever since that moment, this dog, who is now 10 years old, has never really been very fond of other dogs, particularly dogs that look like the one that went after him. Well, last year, Aaron and I decided we wanted to get a second dog. Well, let's say one of us decided, and I won't say which one. 
Um, <clears throat> so we went to the Milwaukee uh, shelter, and we found this very sweet chocolate-covered pit bull, who was actually one of the nicest dogs I've ever seen to people. So we took her home, and turns out the hound, Edison, who's now 10, does not have a uh, short memory. And he saw the pit bull, and they never warmed up to one another. So for two months, until we found a new home for the other dog, we had to keep them separate. So it's kind of funny how you think about that bit of trauma from couldn't possibly even remember the trauma, but he still kind of somehow remembers what this other dog had looked like and associated it with a dog that had nothing to do with the incident. It's very interesting how trauma and memories kind of work that way. Now, of course, humans are not dogs, so we like to tell ourselves. We, but we have intellect. We can reason past our basic instincts and our basic biases. We can look at a memory in our past and we can say, okay, I can pull that apart. At least in ideal circumstances, we can do that. We can pull a memory apart and say, I understand that this is not what this means and this is what this means. And this is a very important message for us, both as Christians and as people who live in a society. The Christian message is not about who is in and who is out. Rather, it is about how we love and how we can sometimes put aside biases to love. But more importantly for Christians, it's how we build a community as Christians that often works outside of the world's norms. A community that is based on our own understanding of Christ's calling, and not always what is understood as how the world tells us to understand things. And so in the Gospel, Jesus sends out the 70. And in some ways, I will say that what is interesting about this passage is the way that the Spirit is upon the 70. Now this moment happens long before that upper room moment at the Pentecost. It happens before the Last Supper, and yet I would probably say, despite what church tradition might try to tell us about the founding of the church, I think in a way this was the moment in which Jesus calls the Christian community outside to say, we are going to be something different. It is this moment that really is that nascent moment of the church. And he sends out his disciples, the 70, to heal the sick and proclaim the good news. The kingdom of God is near. But there are two really important pieces about this gospel reading that stand out to me. And it's not just the work of the disciples, although that is important. The two pieces that really stand out to me have a lot to do with the people who receive them. <clears throat> it is the generous welcome that is expected of those who are to receive them. They walk into a house and they say, peace to this house. And if the peace is shared, so be it. That's good. 
And what I find amazing about this is the welcome is expected to be so generous that those who went out, the 70, are not supposed to even carry money or an extra pair of sandals. They're just supposed to depend on the kindness of others. The other part that really strikes me is the, what happens when the 70 are not welcomed, when such a welcome is denied. It's not just the house, you notice, but it is the whole town, the whole community. The 70 were told to go out on the street and wipe the dust off their sandals in protest. I mean, that is harsh. It is in that context that we remember that Christ calls us not just as individuals in our Christian faith, but Christ calls us as a whole community. Christ calls us as a community to welcome the stranger. Christ calls us as a community to accept grace and to give grace in the various ways that community can be formed, whether it is the household or the town or the 70 that go out. And we heard, thinking about community, we heard also from St. Paul today in one of two, we'll say rather earthy, uh, readings outside of the gospel. <clears throat> but Paul begins by telling the, the Christians of the community in Galatia, my friends, if anyone is detected in transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. I love that. You've received the spirit, so now restore somebody in the spirit of gentleness. It's a hard question, really. I mean, it seems very obvious, but it goes against what we often want to do. Somebody is done something against us, the first thing we want to go do is, no, they should get punished. But Paul says, no, spirit of gentleness. And he says, take care that you yourselves are not tempted. And then he goes a little further and he says, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So not just to bring somebody back in with gentleness, but, be, but look at ourselves and make sure we're not tempted. And then on top of all of that, bear their burdens too. <clears throat> St. Paul is challenging this early Christian community to live in such a way that is not punitive or overly litigious. To live in a community that does not hold people's pasts against them, but one that understands that we are all one another's keeper. <clears throat> now there's a little bit of interesting historical context with the church in Galatia. Uh, one of the things I actually love about this, it's not really biblical so much in that it's written, but it is known historically. Galatia is a central region of Turkey. It's where the capital Ankara is located today. In times long, long before Paul, um, the ancient Celtic region, which was at that point located in what we think of as today being southern Germany, northern Switzerland, uh, at a 
certain point in prehistoric times, Germanic tribes came in and drove out the Celtic tribes. Now we think of when we say the Celts, what do we usually think of? Ireland, Scotland, maybe France and Spain to a degree. We think of Western Europe, those extreme fringes of Western Europe. But it turns out not all the Celts went west. Some of them went east and settled in central Turkey, which is why you have people who speak Gaelic in Ireland and you have people who live in Galatia in Turkey. And remember, France's ancient name was Gaul, and this Celtic region of Spain was Galicia. So all these things are related etymologically. So you can imagine here, you have not just Gentiles that are Greeks, but you got some like the Gentilest of Gentiles going on, right? You got the cousins of the Irish here. <laughs> and there's a really strange controversy going on in Galatia which is that these people who have never known the Jewish faith but now have adopted the Christian faith are trying to figure out how exactly we're supposed to be Christians and they decided that they were going, they needed to, some of them decided that they needed to be circumcised to be fully Christian. Now this is literally what St. Paul is talking about when he's talking about the flesh, literally, in this reading. He's, Paul is arguing that making a mark on the body is fine. In fact, Paul himself would have done that, but it is the spiritual commitment that God is asking of this community, not the physical commitment. Having made the physical commitment is that it can be edifying, but it should not mark anyone in the community as an insider or an outsider. And in the end, it does not matter what the physical nature of commitment one has made to God, so long as you have made a spiritual commitment. Now this is a very interesting controversy in Galatia, and in fact it is out of this, now while this is the very end of the book of Galatians, it is out of this context, in fact, that Paul wrote the words, in Christ there is no male or female, no Greek or Jew, no slave or free, basically saying there are these lines that you have put up do not matter in Christ. Now a couple thousand years later, here we are, and this is not a controversy that is particularly meaningful to us, but there is a really wonderful underlying message here in this book about the nature of controversy in community. There are times that firm boundaries must be set. Jesus, after all, did not just say, well, this is anybody, this is, if you you're going to be unwelcoming, then we have to put a boundary. But also those boundaries must be made for good reasons. They can't be arbitrary lines between Christians to become divisive. And as Jesus said, even of those unwelcoming communities, even where those places that the dust was wiped off the feet, what did Jesus say? 
The kingdom of God is near. Even in those places, this is not an in and out. There is always redemption for those who seek it. And like people of ancient times, even like sometimes we fall into our base impulses, we cannot allow those impulses to rule us, such as fear and anger or division. Rather, we must let our hearts be open and show love when others are willing to receive it, such as those who welcome the seventy. And neither can we necessarily spend all our time and energy on those who have no desire to hear the good news, such as those who did not extend welcome. Of course, if someone wants to wallow in sadness and hate, we don't deny them of grace and mercy, but we also have to spend our emotional capital on those who build up, build us up. Faith should not be draining, it should be edifying. We live in an age, well, actually every age is like this, not just this age, but we live in an age where there are many controversies, both in the church and outside the church. But there is one lesson that is timeless, and that is we cannot let these temporal controversies cloud our view of the kingdom, that kingdom of God which is always near. We cannot be reactive without love. We cannot let the things of the flesh become all we see in our fellow Christian. We cannot let our neighbors pass to find them. And we must also welcome those who come to us in great vulnerability, those who carry in their own way no purse, no sandals. And we must see Christ in the stranger and the hurting. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Amen. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.